This podcast is a proud member of the Teach Better Podcast Network. Better today, better tomorrow, and the podcast to get you there. Explore more podcasts at www.teachbetterpodcastnetwork.com. Now let's get on to the episode. One of the biggest challenges to being a music teacher is that we get all the kiddos, and that means we get students that have challenges that we may not feel equipped to deal with. That's why I have a free masterclass coming up to help you feel more comfortable with those kiddos who have special learning challenges. It's called Teaching Music to Students with Autism, ADHD, and Other Special Needs. And in this masterclass, I am going to give you my favorite secrets for how I teach my students who are uniquely made and who have special learning challenges. Want to learn more? All you have to do is go to storiesthatsing.net forward slash free masterclass to sign up. Again, that is storiesthatsing.net forward slash free masterclass. See you there. elementary music teacher who's frustrated and overwhelmed? I'm Jeanette Shorey, a happy music teacher who loves teaching every day, but it wasn't long ago I was in your shoes. Join me Wednesdays to help you find happy in your music classroom. We were outside. I was outside. I did this activity with all of my grade levels one year, but my first grade level was kindergarten and we were doing that song we are dancing in the forest while the wolf is far away who knows what will happen to us if he finds us at our play wolf where are you now if you have perfect pitch please excuse if i am not right on pitch because i did not check my pitch before i started this recording so here's how it went It was willy-nilly, basically no plan, and that's how it went. Willy-nilly, basically no plan. I did not tell my students where to run to, where they weren't allowed to run to. I didn't give them any directions. I literally just took them outside and was like, okay, we're going to play this game. Now, we had played this game before, and so they knew how to play it already, so that was the one good thing, but... I mean, kids went into the parking lot, kids went into the woods, kids were picking leaves off the trees, kids were sitting down in the grass and pulling up the grass. I mean, it was not pretty. And I'm a teacher at this point, this goes back maybe five years, many years of experience, like legit 20 years of experience, and I just didn't plan it well. It happens to the best of us. I sadly learn by experience how not to do it, and then I get it right the next time. And if I don't get it right the next time, I get it right the time after that. That is just how I roll. I'm just not good at foreseeing the future. If it's something that I've done multiple times, then I can foresee the future, but I am not a good predictor. I would not be a good fortune teller because I'm just really not good at that. The good thing is you get to learn 
from my experiences and all of my mistakes. So we were doing this song and basically what happens is the kids are in a circle and they're singing the song as they're walking counterclockwise in the circle and there is a wolf and there are children. If you don't know this story, I mean this um, this song and this game, it is so much fun. Cannot remember where I learned it. It was years and years ago, but it was during a Kodai workshop. It's definitely a Kodai activity. So they were doing their circle around and then they asked the wolf, wolf, where are you? And the wolf could be like, I'm tying my shoes. And then they go again around the circle and sing the song. Or the wolf could be like, I'm watching a movie. And then they go around and sing the song again and go in the circle. Or the wolf might be like, I'm coming to eat you. And we'll use like the low voice and the high voice. Wolf, where are you? And the wolf will be like, I'm coming to eat you. And then the kids take off when he says that, of course, and he tries to tag them. So when I did it and I didn't give them any direction on where to go, not only were they all over the place, but the wolf couldn't tag anybody because they just went tearing off. It was this ginormous field. I mean, can you picture it? (laughs) It was a disaster. So that's why today you're going to get seven tips about taking your kiddos outside before you actually go outside with them because I learned a ton from that experience. That was probably the first time I ever took my kiddos outside. I don't know why because I taught in Florida, as you know, if you've been listening to this podcast for a while and the weather's always beautiful there. So I'm not sure why I did not do it before then, but I didn't. Before we talk about those seven tips, let's talk for a moment about why you might want to take your kiddos outside in the coming weeks. You know it's May Madness, and that means that we are looking for things to save our sanity. If you are not looking for things to save your sanity, then I recommend you do that. This is how... I stay a happy music teacher is if I'm starting to feel overwhelmed or my kiddos are starting to get into that cray cray where they're just not listening, I will regroup. I will revamp. I will do something to help them get their sillies out. That is how I stay a happy music teacher. And that is what I recommend for you as well. Second, the weather is gorgeous. I mean, It's springtime. If you live in Florida, in South Florida especially, you may not be experiencing this. It may be super hot and humid and sticky, and the last thing you want to do is take your kiddos outside. But you could also play some of these games indoors. So that is another reason to take them out. The weather is just beautiful. Third, they're going to think they're just out there playing, and they're not going to give you any grief. Fourth, They will love you forever for taking them outside. Fifth, they need the exercise. Only 25% of our students are getting outside to play and they need that exercise and being outside is so good for them. And finally, being outside can help your students develop 
physically, emotionally. It develops their cognitive skills, their spatial relations, and it helps them become more engaged and motivated learners. But the biggest part, they're just playing out of their minds and they need that extra exercise. Let's get down to the business of structuring your outdoor visit. So the first thing you want to do is tell your students all the rules before you go outside. I did not do this the first time I took my students outside. And it was noisy and it was a big space. And there were so many distractions and it was a total disaster. I mean, they were, like I said, they were just everywhere They weren't listening. It was just a really, really hard day for that class. Then the next class, I learned as I went. So uh, every class, and you know what we do as music teachers. It's the most amazing thing because by Wednesday, if you start a new activity on Monday, by Wednesday, it's going smoothly, swimmingly well. So you want to tell your students all of the rules before you go outside so that you can so that they can hear you so that they know the rules they know what to do you want to set some ground rules one of the ground rules i like to set is to always walk no matter what always walk the easiest fix for this is if somebody runs we always go out in a line and if somebody runs or somebody's walking too fast or somebody's pushing I send them right to the back of the line. I'll just say, Susie, back of the line, please. Second, silence is safest. So I always tell my students that we're going outside. It's very important to be silent. If they can't be silent, they will sit out the first round of the game. And I am vigilant about this. I don't care if they're whispering. And I will say to them, boys and girls, Whispering counts as talking. When we are outside, it is not a safe indoor space, and I need to make sure that you are safe. So it is really important that you're silent. The next ground rule I like to set is touch nothing and touch no one. So I I try not to give examples. What I try to do instead is I try to say, okay, boys and girls, that rule, touch nothing and no one. If Susie runs into you, are you allowed to touch her? No. If there is a beautiful flower outside and you're just dying to pick it for your teacher, are you allowed to do that? No, you're not. If those leaves on the tree look like they're so much fun to just pull a whole bunch of them off, are you allowed to do that? No, that's breaking rule number three. Touch nothing and touch no one. So those are those ground rules. Next, set a space. Where are they allowed to go and where are they not allowed to go? So what I'll do is as we're going through the rules indoors, I'll describe the space to them and it's usually a space that they're going to be familiar with anyway and I'll say, okay boys and girls, we're going to be on the field that's just beyond the playground and I will tell you once we get there exactly where the spaces are that you are allowed to go to and any place that's off limits, 
you will be out for one round. And then I'll say, and if you really are smart, like I've not been before, but if you're really smart, you could borrow some cones from the PE coaches and set up your parameters that way. So it's always a good idea to set up a space. Now, we happen to, in my school currently, have this one area. It's a little courtyard area that's completely clear. And there's a little gazebo off to the side. So if anybody gets tired or needs a little break, they um, can go into, into the gazebo. And I will say to my students, you are not allowed to go on the cement, only the grassy area. So that's kind of a good way to do that. So if you have a space like that, that's even better. Number four, have some transition cues for when to start the game, when to stop the game, when to leave the area. It is super important. Whatever your normal transition is, that could work. Or if you wanted to give them a rhythm or, you know, whatever kind of transition. But I definitely recommend having some transition cues because otherwise they are not going to be able to hear you and they're not going to do what you want them to do. Number five, play some mini games before you take them outside. So what I like to do is maybe the week or two before, I like to run through those games with them and give them the opportunity to learn the game and ask any questions. So we'll do a little mini game. And so we'll we'll kind of run through maybe a round or two indoors and not during that class time when you're going to be taking them outside because then you'll take up all the class time, especially if you only have 30 minutes. But maybe um, I, you may not have a lot of time left, but if you have a couple weeks left and you're planning for that last week or two of school to take them outside, then you may want to go through those games a week or two before. That way, when you actually go outside, before you do that, you can say to them, okay, boys and girls, do you remember when we did a mini version of Red Light, Green Light in the classroom? We're going to be playing that game outside, etc. So that's kind of a good way to do it. Number seven, tell your students to bring a water bottle and be sure to leave time for a quick two-minute break in case kids are getting overheated because it is even if it's like a cool breeze outside you know they they get easily overheated because they're running hard so it's a good idea to play a game and then uh, do a couple rounds and then everybody sits down and we take a moment that gives them a chance to take a sip of water to um you know catch their breath that sort of thing and Number eight, I'm giving you a bonus today. Pro tip, call the front office and let them know you're going outside or take a walkie-talkie so they're not looking for you. The quickest way to irritate the front office staff and your administration is when they're looking for a kid and they can't find them. So be sure to let them know you're going outside. Now, how do you decide what games to play? Well, Littles are going to need something less structured. So think that game I was just telling you about, We Are Dancing in the Forest or a musical version of Hide and Seek. Um, bigger kids can do something that maybe helps them review a skill. For example, 
I have a bouncy ball note value lesson plan that if you are part of my email community, Happy Highlights, you got that when you got your two free storybook lessons. So make sure you look back. If you need that one again, or if you're not part of my email community, Happy Highlights, then what you might want to do is go to storiesthatsing.net forward slash lesson plan sampler, and you can get the bouncy ball note value activity for free along with two storybook lessons that are also amazing for this time of the year. Another good one for your bigger kids is red light, green light using notes. How do you adapt games for different skill levels and possibly for some behavior challenges? So if I have a class that can't handle a particular game, like I know in advance, I have one fourth grade class that is not going to do well with my bouncy ball note value game because it requires not too much thinking, but it does require a little bit of thinking. And I just know that they're not going to be on board with it. So what I'm going to do is we're going to do either We Are Dancing in the Forest or Musical Hide and Seek, something like that. And believe it or not, I've done We Are Dancing in the Forest with my fifth graders many times and they absolutely love it. So I totally recommend that as a possibility if you have a class that you know is not going to be able to handle the quote-unquote slightly more advanced skills of something like bouncy ball note values. What do you do if you have a class that's just going cray-cray? So what I do is like I would do indoors. We stop, we take a moment, and then we try again. So when we take a moment, I like to practice some bubble breathing. So I'll say, or some balloon breathing. I'll say to my boys and girls, you have a balloon around your waist and I want you to fill it with air. And then I want you to hiss it all out. And we'll do that maybe three times. We sit down before we do it. And then we try again. If that doesn't work, we play a new game. I always bring my sidewalk chalk out as a safety net because I really don't want anyone going back inside unless there's really a giant safety reason. So if we're outside, I want to make sure that everybody stays outside and gets the full benefit. Now, I have 45-minute classes, so usually... I'm going to give them about 20, 25 minutes outside because that is plenty. If you have uh, less time, if you've got like 30-minute classes, then you may want to plan on 20-minute classes outside and five minutes for sort of introducing all those rules to set things up and another five minutes at the end to get them back in because, of course, the last thing you want is for them to be late leaving your classroom, especially if you've got back-to-back classes. So let's go ahead and take a quick review. First of all, we want to take our kiddos outside because the weather is gorgeous. They are having May Madness. They think that they're just playing out there and they're going to love you forever. They need that extra exercise. Remember, only 25% of our students are getting enough outdoor exercise And being outside can help them develop physically, emotionally. It develops their cognitive skills, their spatial relations and awareness, 
and it's going to make them more engaged and motivated in the future. And then structuring your outdoor activities. So you want to make sure and tell the students all the rules before you go outside so that, you know, you're not in this big noisy space. You want to set some ground rules. You want to set a space where they're allowed to go and where they are not allowed to go. You want to have a transition cue for things like when to start and stop the game and when to leave the area. You want to play those mini games before you take them outside. You want to tell your students to bring a water bottle and be sure to leave a little time for a quick two minute break between. And you want to make sure and call the front office and let them know you're going outside or take a walkie so that they're not looking for a kid and can't find them. Finally, take a whistle. It is super noisy outside and your students will not hear you. If you take a whistle, that is going to be the best way to get them to listen. Now, I have a whole bunch of outdoor games that I have collected for you. Some of them are mine. And then I had a couple of fabulous music teachers who sent me some things. So I will be sharing all of those in the show notes. Let me tell you, my activities are bouncy ball note values, red light, green light, the musical version, musical tag, note play, hide and seek, capture the flag with music notes, and musical four square. So those are the ones that I have to share with you. And then a bonus one is the listening walk. So if you want to do something a little more low key with a class that you think is not going to really be able to handle something too active, I mean, try the active with them. But if it doesn't work, the listening walk is a great activity. And if that doesn't work, you can always get out your sidewalk chalk. Well, that's all I have for you today. But before I go, let me remind you, keep learning keep growing, and keep being fabulous you.